This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by FlintHillsAuto.com. I am Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com, and the man to my right is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Scott, you're back from Texas. Got to see a win. Yeah, got to see a Whataburger, too, which was oh, equally as exciting. That is exciting. I'm over here doing math, trying to figure out <laughs> uh, if K-State wins the Big 12 tournament, and I'm realizing they'd still have a losing record. Mm. That's By quite it. a few games. They could actually yeah. go on to win the NCAA tournament and still have a losing record. No, that's not true. Now you're just making stuff up. Maybe. Maybe he's right. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show, on Twitter at The Drive 13. And, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions over at thedriveshow.com. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. Yudoka Azabuki had a career day in Waco, scoring 23 points and adding 19 rebounds. Scott, the seven-footer, only got off six shots the last time these teams played. What the heck changed? Well, a lot changed, and it, it really starts with Bill Self. We can bring the camera to me. I'll, I'll kind of demonstrate the way that Baylor defended uh, in that first meeting and then how KU changed it up. So going back to that first meeting, uh, Baylor employed a really unique defensive strategy. They had Freddie Gillespie, the big man, uh, stay in front of Yudoka Azubuki. So he's uh, fronting the post. He's staying between Azubuki and the ball. And then Mark Vital, the versatile uh, Baylor wing forward defender, he's patrolling the baseline. He's helping off Marcus Garrett, who is not a shooter for Kansas. So he can leave him on the perimeter, and he's going to knock the ball away um, anytime that pass comes over the top. So you mentioned it. Baylor had, or Azubuki, had six field goal attempts in that game. And now we go to the second matchup, this last Saturday's game. Uh, and, and things completely changed. And, uh, you know, one of the differences was the people on the court. On that first play, you see two shooters on the wings. So that makes it uh, more difficult for Baylor to help off. The Jayhawks also set a number of middle ball screens. So one of the things that makes Baylor's defense so good, they position their body, especially on ball screens, to keep you from getting to the middle of the court and to keep you from switching from side to side. They use a coverage called ice uh, or downing the ball screen, which is going to push you to the sideline and basically not let you spread out their defense. Well. To combat that, you notice where Azubuki is setting the screen on that play, it's in the middle of the floor. It's a lot harder to push someone to the sideline uh, when they are, you know, operating out of the middle. It's also harder to help off the corner shooters because it's a shorter distance from the middle of the floor to either the right or left corner to throw it out there for a three-point shot. Whereas if you're operating from, let's say, the left wing, 
that right corner is really far away. It's going to take a great pass just to get the ball all the way across the court. And then also the defense has time to rotate. The last change Bill Self made, Marcus Garrett, he put him on the ball. He was the guy controlling it, running pick and roll, throwing the lobs. Baylor couldn't help off Marcus Garrett because he was the one with the ball and they couldn't help off a corner shooter because Bill Self moved him to the center of the court. That's how Yudoka Azubuki scores 20 points. Garrett had five assists for Azubuki baskets inside and he made six more. It was impressive. It was a great coaching job by Coach Self. Mm -hmm. He scouted this thing perfectly, had his team prepared perfectly, and whenever they needed something, he had something to draw up to get the ball to the big guy. Four days. He got four days, and that makes a huge difference. His record the last decade in NCAA tournament games, when you get those extra days, so round of 64, Sweet 16, and Final Four, 16-2. and He doesn't lose when he has four days to prep. That's interesting. Well, Texas led Kansas State by 19 at halftime in a 70-59 victory at Bramlage Coliseum. Considering Texas has been struggling, too, is this a sign that this K-State team is dead in the water? Yeah, it is. It looks like it. it. I don't see them winning another game at this point. Maybe Iowa State to close the regular season at Bramlage Coliseum because they're not doing so swell right now. But it seems like Kansas State is everyone's get healthy game right now. We've seen Iowa State win in Ames. We've seen TCU win. We've seen... Texas win, you just go down the list over and over. The teams that they could compete with have been beating K-State and now beating them by double figures. This game wasn't close, wasn't even uh, competitive at times. Kansas State is going through the motions, and if you've been following along, there was an incident at the Texas Tech game in which K-State was remarkably competitive. It was a single-digit victory by the Red Raiders in which Cartier Jada and head coach Bruce Weber had a shouting match. Bruce Weber slammed a stool into the ground, thus continuing the violence <laughs> against stools this yeah, season. That's it's a big just, problem in the Sunflower State. It's really gotten to be a problem in Kansas basketball, you know, the state of Kansas. We can't keep beating up on stools the way we are, people. Uh, and you can say whatever you want about what was said between the two. It seemed clear to me that a word was said that I'm not going to say on the show, but they've denied that, and okay, that's fine. But still the body language mm-hmm. and the confrontation between the coach, and it included Cartier Jada, like, clapping at his coach. Mm-hmm. And it was just ugly. It was unfortunate. And then soon after, Cartier had a nice layup and then stared down his coach as he went up the court. And a little bit later, he had an opportunity for an open-court dunk, and it went off the back of the rim. He didn't go back on defense, and Texas Tech hit a three-pointer. Right there, I think the team broke. And, you know, the fact that uh, he was able to come back in the game after the confrontation, I think, really stung the rest of the players. After that, after the missed dunk, he was done for the day. Uh, But he's still on the team. He's still part of the team. And there's an obvious problem between coach and player here that is just kind of kind of fester until the end of the season, apparently. They can just let it go. And, and, And now we're seeing the results of that, Scott, is this team is broken. And, oh, by the way, they have Baylor and Kansas next week. Yeah, it's tough when you don't have that leadership maybe at the top with your older players to where, you know, you you just have someone who can help them figure it out. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's been really closely watching this team understands that there's some real discomfort, some friction here. And you watch how the teammates react when Cardi does something. They just kind of walk away and ignore him, which is interesting in itself. Baylor and Kansas are tied atop the league standings with four games remaining. Both have a tough road game and other potential challenges on the schedule. Who is more likely to slip up? 
Well, I think this weekend or, or this next week will tell you a lot of that with Kansas playing Kansas State in Manhattan. I think on leap day, funny enough. Uh, I mean, that game, the atmosphere for that will probably reset the situation and just make it different. I expect Kansas to win. I'm, I'm sure that will be they'll be heavily favored in that game. But I, I think there can be some question just to see how they deal for an environment that will be probably the best they see all year. They also have the Texas Tech game that, you know, at Texas Tech that could be a slip up. But Baylor's got a really tough stretch of three games. They're going to go at TCU. Uh, and then they play Texas Tech at home, and then they play at West Virginia to close out the year. And uh, West Virginia has fallen off a cliff offensively, and uh, I think they just lost to TCU this last weekend. So uh, clearly that team is trending in a negative direction, but still they go into Morgantown, always a tough place to play, and uh, it'll be the last game of the season. They'll be fighting for seeding and, and maybe even positioning in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, so they'll, they'll have a lot on the line too. And I think pressure would be the final piece of this. Neither one of these teams have won a Big 12 championship, a majority of the players. Obviously, some of them have some of the older players on Kansas, but a lot of these young guys who are contributors don't know what it's like to go down to that last game and say, hey, you've got to win. You've got to put it all on the line, you know, this single game. So I think there are some challenges. Well, it was slip-up Saturday for teams in the top four. All but KU lost. Mm -hmm. San Diego State lost to a UNLV team, by the way, in San Diego. That K-State beat. One of K-State's nine victories <laughs> is the team that beat San Diego State. That's a horrible loss. Uh, and Gonzaga lost to BYU. Um, that was coming. Yeah. Gonzaga. Yeah, it was. Uh, so I ask you this before we wrap this segment up. Is, it, is there a chance if these teams went out and progressed through that bracket and meet for the Big 12 championship, still with only one loss against conference competition, that they'll go in the NCAA tournament as the top two seeds in the entire bracket? I think they're close to being locked into that right now. I think Kansas would actually have to do work to not be one of those yeah. top two seeds. They'd probably have to lose two or three more times. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. <laughs> now, a quick look at your poll question results, and poll questions are brought to you by Film at 11, your go-fast, look-good-play-hard custom shop. Well, last week's question was, Baylor, at the time, 12-0 in Big 12 play, and what will the Bears' conference record be after all 18 conference contests are finished? So we look at the results. 15% of you already wrong because they will not go 18-0. Uh, 40% said 17-1, 30% and 16-2, 15-3 or worse, 15%. Yeah, I don't see that happening either. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's going to be B. I think these teams are going to win out. I I'll do. take C. This week's question is this. How many teams from the Big 12 will make the NCAA tournament? This is challenging because you don't know how bad. Oh, it's, we got the NCCA tournament. It's the, then the answer we is zero. We did a good job editing. This, the answer is zero. Then. Zero, then. No one would be making. Here are your answers. Uh, a is four. B is five. C is six. D is any other number in the world, including a million trillion. Mm-hmm. And so make your votes over at thedriveshow.com. Well, I'm making sure you're not on the poll. Oh, Sadly. well, it, it technically is, Sadly. although it's not a number. But, uh, well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, and we will be right back with more on math. I, sorry, KU and K-State on the drive.
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. Scott, you touched on Big Doke in the last segment, but he seemed pretty emotional after the KU win. Why was this one such a big deal to him? I think it was personal for him, not because of any animosity against Baylor, not because of anything that any, any coach or any player uh, did to him, but I think uh, he's taken a lot of the criticisms of his game over the last few years to heart. Uh, this is a guy who, uh, when he came to KU, he was only 16 or 17, so he was not draft eligible uh, in his first year. He knew he was going to have to wait two years. Uh, his first year, he deals with a wrist injury, misses. I think he played 11 games that year, but obviously never got going. Uh, his second year, he was having a really nice year. He played in 30-plus games, and he had some really big performances on a Final Four team. KU surrounded him with shooters. Uh, it was pretty much an ideal situation for him in terms of uh, pro potential and draft stock. And a lot of times when teams go on a Final Four run, your stock raises that much more because teams get to see you. But what happens at the end of the year? He suffers a knee injury that really hinders him. He misses the Big 12 tournament. And then when he has to play against Villanova in the Final Four, a Villanova team that set a three-point shooting record and absolutely dominated that game, hitting from all five positions, now the storyline becomes, well, this guy can't defend in the NBA. This guy can't move. He's stiff. He gives up threes. Azubuki had to come back for his junior season. Again, this was a guy who was always expected to be gone after two years. Okay. Azubuki's back for his junior year. He's going to show people that he's mobile. He can get out and defend on the perimeter. KU, he played in nine games. Uh, KU was 9-0 and when he played. They were the number one team in the country. And what happens? Another freak wrist injury, hand injury, ligament. Uh, that holds him out for the year. Again, he tests the NBA draft uh, waters. Bill Self thinks he's gone. He even says in a press conference, probably won't get to watch him anymore. The NBA comes back and says, hey, we've still got a bad taste in our mouth. We still haven't seen that you can guard out on the perimeter. So Azubuki's back for his senior year. This is a guy who has completely transformed his game, who has shown that he can defend on the perimeter. He blocked another perimeter jumper uh, in the game against Baylor. It feels like that happens every game. He moves, he rebounds, he puts up crazy numbers. His efficiency hasn't dropped off. He's lost weight. He plays more minutes. He played 36 minutes against Baylor. That's where that emotion comes from because this is a guy who should not have been in college for four years, but his journey has pulled him that way. Now he's getting to show people what he can do. What you think you know about Doak, if you're judging on anything other than this season, forget it. It's about this season, the current player, and this is a really good big man. Yeah, he's younger than Devon Dotson. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure people realize that, and maturity was a huge part of it, too. His first couple years, uh, he wasn't by any means a huge problem, but I, I think he was a little immature. He's shown a lot of growth. I mean, he wants to fire the team up, get guys energized, and be a better teammate as a senior. I think that's a huge deal. 
<laughs> I agree. I think I'd be better on the show if I lost a few pounds. I'd be more mobile. I'd be able to get out there and yeah. block your <laughs> whatever. Uh, well, uh, K-State is on track for the program's most losses in a season. Uh, and the talk of, of this season ending Bruce Weber's tenure are growing from, uh, from the fan base. Is there any chance, Fitz, that K-State would consider making a change after this season? Let me put this as best I can. No. No, it's not going to happen. The guy just won a Big 12 title. This, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong this season. Uh, outside of injuries, they really haven't had any injuries. Uh, they're paying the price for shoddy recruiting over a three-year period. I've said that over and over, but it's the truth. The younger guys in the program uh, are being counted on maybe a little bit more than they're ready to contribute. And the leadership from the upperclassmen hasn't been what they need. But most importantly, overall, the performances from the upperclassmen hasn't been what they need. I mean, Xavier Sneed's had moments, Cardi Jada's had moments, Makama Wien's kind of struggled uh, all season long. He struggled Saturday against Texas and yet had a double-double. I can't figure that out. I don't know how that works out. He didn't seem to play well, and uh, uh, there was a big struggle there uh, to get over the hump, and you look at the stats in the game, he ends up with 13, 14, and 10. It was incredible. This team just isn't very good. That's the end of the story. They just aren't very talented. They don't have enough guys. Um, it's just kind of a mess right now for this team. Uh, and with all that said, no, this isn't going to end Bruce Weber's time at K-State, nor should it. He has a heck of a recruited class coming in. Uh, in the past, I would have probably said this should be it, but he has earned that mm -hmm. by winning two Big 12 titles and going to an Elite Eight. He's got cards to play, and he gets to play them right now. And he's going to be back next year with a frightfully young team, but I'm going to say this and be blunt about it. You cannot under-recruit for three years and then finally string together back-to-back -to -back recruiting classes and then play a different card. Oh, we're so young. Well, they're so young because you failed at recruiting for so many years. You can't say next year, well, we've got seven, eight out of our 13 players, our freshmen and sophomores. They're that way because of what you've done. It's not like a bunch of guys left for the NBA. You just didn't recruit mm -hmm. well enough. Next year is going to be very telling uh, in the future of K-State basketball, and particularly with Bruce Weber at the helm, I think they're going to be better next year, good enough where there's no change again, and we'll see them start trending up in two years. Yeah. I don't like this roller coaster. <laughs> I've said that, but yeah. here we are. It's, it is what it is. Yeah, and, and from the outside perspective, I would guess that Bruce Weber, like you mentioned, the Elite Eight, the Big 12 titles, has enough faith to go this year, has enough faith probably to go next year, even if things don't go well. And then I think that's when you start having Absolutely. that conversation. And now we step out of bounds. Well, we go out of bounds and into the ring as Tyson Fury regained the unified heavyweight boxing title Saturday night in Las Vegas by defeating Deontay Wilder. But the real story here isn't about boxing. Fitz, tell us why Tyson Fury hits home with you. It really does. And uh, Tyson Fury, this was his comeback. If you're not a boxing person, I get that. I'm not really a boxing person, but I'm a Tyson Fury fan because of this. He derailed his entire career because because of what he flatly says is mental illness. It was depression, alcoholism, and he just went off the rails. And there's an incredible interview that he did with Rich Eisen. Uh, you can go to YouTube and check that out. That really set off this thought for me. It hits home because I too suffer from depression. And some of the things he says in that interview hit really close to home for me. This guy was heavyweight champion of the world. And he said every night he prayed to die. 
Let that really soak in. So it's not about who you are, what you have accomplished, or anything in your outside life. Depression is what it is. It comes and visits unwanted, and it just sticks with you. And when I get to my worst points in my depression, this song, Here Comes the Sun, means an awful lot to me. Because for me, it sounds like the warming out of depression, the light coming back. Tyson Fury went very public with his battle with mental illness and depression and I thank him and every one of us who has gone through this thanks him because he's let people know this isn't simply hey go out and exercise go out and do something why don't you eat better there's none of that works if you've been into that dark hole you know the only way to get through it is to go through the darkness and come out to the light it's hard to understand but if you are suffering from depression seek help I'm on medication and he's on medication. There's no shame in this. A lot of people have it. Thank you, Tyson Fury. It's an important to- topic to talk to, obviously, and, and fighting the stigma, too. Yeah, very, very plus important. he's a heck of a fighter. And he's named Tyson Fury. That's his real name. <laughs> That's, it's amazing. He's six foot nine, he's bald, and he's a heavyweight champion of the we, world. We would be fighters if our names were collectively yeah, Tyson Fury. I could, I could go by Timothy Fury, his <laughs> fat older brother. I'd I'm take it. go with that. Well, now let's hear from the fans. Our, our fan question this week is, does Kansas State <laughs> stand a chance next Saturday against Kansas in Manhattan? That is from Danielle in Topeka. One in a million. <laughs> it's so, a, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so I'm saying there's a chance. I don't think it'll be close. It's going to get ugly. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome back. As we head down the home stretch of this week's show, now it's time to take a look at our predictions, and the predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. And remember to make your weekly predictions over at thedriveshow.com. Here's last week's results. I picked K-State to win, and I paid a price. Yeah, you're on fire, though. You, you since the end of football season, have skyrocketed. I've been trending down, but we're going to flip it around this week. Yeah, uh, good job, viewers. Way to make us look bad. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Now for this week's picks, we're doing something a little bit different. All the picks Mm -hmm. have to do with the KUK State game. Next Saturday in Manhattan on a day. This is weird. It's a day that only happens every four years. Really? Yeah, I I didn't know. Saturday? Uh, Yeah, they're having their first Saturday in four years. It feels like the first Saturday. (laughs) Uh, It'll be on February 29th. How about that? First off, the picks start with KU minus an 11 half at K-State. Will KU win by 12 points or more in Manhattan? Home teams are doing well in the Big 12. I'm going to take K-State plus 11 and a half. Okay. He's saying K-State will lose by 11 or fewer, and I think KU will win by 12 or more. I'm going with KU. Next, will the leading score in the game be a KU or K-State player? I'm going to say K-State. 
Last time, the leading scorer, Christian Brown. I don't expect that to happen again. Wow. He scored 20 points. No one remembers because of the Silvio de Sosa uh, K-State incident afterward. I'll take KU. I think Devon Dotson or Doke wow. has got it. And our last prediction of the week is, will there be a technical foul in the game? I'm going to say no. I think everyone will be, the players and coaches will be very aware. I'm going to say, yeah, down. there's going to be a tactical foul in this chaos. game. Again, make your picks over at thedriveshow.com. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. And On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by local for a strong local community. And let's start with Mr. Scott chasing the fog.net. We don't have a ton of time for our On the Clock segment today, which is perfect because my topic is David McCormick, who only played four <laughs> minutes against Baylor before committing five fouls and fouling out of the game. It was remarkable. It was He scored two baskets in his time, so if you, you know extend out his numbers, he averaged 40 points per 40 minutes and 50 fouls. Look, the backup center position behind Yudoka Azubuki may not seem all that important. A player, it may be hard to get into that role, but you can't leave your big man out to dry. Azubuki played 36 minutes. It would have been very easy to see him fouling out or getting tired or getting run down in that time. David McCormick has to play smarter. He has to play better. Can't foul out in four minutes. I had a fan ask me, is this season a disaster no matter what? And I'm like, yeah. It is. Right now, we're just trying to decide what level of disaster this season is, and I fear K-State won't win another game this season. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.